Hey, Mayday listeners, this is Tiana. I'm excited to say that Mayday has a new show sponsor, FabFitFun. If you haven't heard of them, FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It's a really fun way to try out new things. It's always over a $200 value, but retails for just $49.99. And as a special treat for Mayday listeners, use coupon code MAYDAY for $10 off your first box at fabfitfun.com. Hey, everybody. It's Justin. Welcome to Mayday. Very happy to have everyone here for our newest episode. Before we get things really rolling, I wanted to take a few moments to just say a couple things to address some issues. I know it's been a tough last few weeks for a lot of people out there with the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings and the testimony of Dr. Ford. I just wanted to take a moment and let all of you know that Mayday supports all the survivors out there of sexual assault, abuse, and violence. Um, we, ha- we had to sit here and listen to the absurdity of our president saying how it's a tough time for young men in the country. And while I could go on for that for a long time, it's not worth talking about. So just let us say that Mayday wants to extend again our words of support to all the survivors out there. And we hope that everyone is taking care of themselves as is needed. And that all of you out there that know survivors are also reaching out to them to support them. Because this is a tough time for them, and sometimes those of us who are not survivors can lose sight of that fact. So if you know someone that is a survivor, and they've confided in you before about that, please reach out and just ask them how they're doing, and offer any uh, support that you can for them. Alright, that's what we wanted to say. We appreciate you listening to the podcast. wanted to give a word of support for all of our survivors out there. Thank you. Hey everybody, it's Justin from Mayday. Welcome to our latest episode Uh, We are very excited to put this out. We haven't recorded in a while, so you're going to hear me and Tiana here for this episode, uh, breaking down our thoughts on the Emmys and all kinds of great things and uh, Handmaid's Tale stuff. Now, what we got to talk about right now is what we just announced, which is our second Handmaid's Tale costume contest, which is going on right now. You can enter right now. We are taking entries now through November 7th. There are three categories to enter, pet, individual, and group. Uh, so submit all of those. You go to our website, allconsumingcontent.com, to enter. Uh, keep up with our social media. We are at, at Handmade Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, and we want to f- have you follow the tag and tag us on social media with Handmade Halloween 2018. So Handmade Halloween 2018. Follow that tag. Keep up with the contest, and we'll have all kinds of stuff out there for you. Now, more importantly about this contest is we are very excited because we got some great special guest judges. Now, last year, you know, we had costume designer Ann Crabtree as our judge for the individual category. This year, you know, we were thinking, who can we get to judge this year? And I thought, well, who better to be the judgiest of judges than the judgiest people in Gilead? So we're very, very happy to announce that Ever Carradine and Stephen Kunkin, who you know better on The Handmaid's Tale as Naomi Putnam and Warren Putnam, will be judging the individual category of the contest this year. We are super excited. Uh, For those of you listening at home from Mayday fans, you'll know them better as uh, Hashtag Lady Putnam and Old one Arm Putnam. So we are super pumped. It's going to be great. Um, We're going to interview them. We're going to have all kinds of stuff with them. It's going to be great. So once again, Ever Carradine, Stephen Kunkin, Naomi Putnam, and Warren Putnam will be judging this contest for the individual category in the finals. Now, our other awesome, fantastic special guest judge is Lizzie Hale. She's the lead singer and guitar player for the Grammy Award-winning band Hailstorm. She will be judging the finals of the group contest. Uh, You can hear Hailstorm over on our Handmaid's Resistance radio station on Slacker Radio. Uh, Lizzie is amazing. If you have not listened to Hailstorm before, you should. 
Uh, she has one of these incredible, massive, towering, giant voices that is just unbelievable. Uh, we're super excited to have her on board. She is a champion of some great things. Uh, she's a big champion of mental health awareness, which we'll talk about a little bit in the show. And even as her own blog, she uses to address these issues and some other things she's passionate about. So we're going to give you all kinds of information about them. We'll be interviewing uh, her along the way with the contest. Uh, and we'll have much more over the next month or so as the contest rolls on. Uh, so we look forward to that. And thank you to Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm for coming on board and helping us out with the contest. And thank you all for listening to us. And once again, you can enter the contest at allconsumingcontent.com or just check us out on social media at Handmade Podcast at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where there will be all kinds of information. So enjoy this episode of the podcast. We appreciate you listening. Have a good one, everybody. Hey, everyone. It's Justin and Tiana. Mayday, Handmade Tale podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. Me too. This is weird. It's been yeah. so long since I recorded anything. I know. It's um, exciting. I recorded with Delia Harrington to do a little uh, Amy preview, uh, which we'll talk about, which I know that uh, it's a sore, sore subject these days as far as the key nominations and key categories go mm -hmm. for the Handmade yeah, Tale. Yeah, there are a lot of strong feelings. Very, yeah. very, very strong feelings. Yeah. Um, I, I have particularly strong feelings towards the one that I had particularly strong feelings for the entire season. Um, the other categories, I didn't necessarily have, like, an issue with, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, uh, this is obviously our first podcast since we took the hiatus from the season, and so there are some things that we wanted to announce because we uh, kind of reconvened and decided to kind of what we're going to do moving forward. Um, so, usually we record monthly, and that would usually mean one podcast a month, but we're going to try a little something different. Whether it sticks or not, uh, it's our prerogative to decide, but... For right now, the current plan is this. We're going to record, but we're going to have uh, four podcasts a month, so one per week, and we're going to deal with some different things. So your first podcast will be your traditional May Day podcast, where we talk about all the news and updates and whatnot from The Handmaid's Tale, of which there seems to be a never-ending stream of things. It's the classic yes. episode. Yes, the classic episode. So we'll talk about things like season three, what do we know? We're going to talk about that later today. Uh, news and updates about the show, news and updates from the cast and the creators of the show, because they also do things not involved with The Handmaid's Tale. Shocking. So we can talk about those things. Uh, we're going to do our Ask May Day, and then we're going to do list and polls. I put a poll out yesterday on the Facebooks, which was pretty hilarious. I also asked people about something about the Emmys, which got a lot of reaction, which I found very amusing. I'm always, I don't know why I'm always shocked when the internet comes up with opinions and they just make me laugh. That's that's what the internet that's is what the internet's for, right? I don't know why you're shocked by that either. So we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. And then also we're going to try and do a podcast where we focus on one cast member and then one uh, creator. Basically what we're going to do is try and do a look at their entire career, kind of what they were doing before the show, what they do on the show, and then maybe some other projects that they have coming up just to spotlight them. Hopefully we can have some interviews with those people. That is the plan, uh, as we are wont to do. So we will take a look at that. And then uh, this third one we're going to do is going to be very interesting. This is going to be all about the fans. What we're going to do is focus on the fandom of The Handmaid's Tale because it is truly fascinating to me as a person who does a podcast about it that there are also other, like, what, six other podcasts, seven, about the show. And that there are also, at my count right now, and it seems to be more every day, like nine legitimate with significant amounts of members Facebook groups. Wow, about I didn't the show. know there were that many. Yeah, so what seems to happen is that... And these are these are groups that are not just like 
friends no. making a group yeah, to these talk are about like it together. Specific groups. And usually what seems to be happening is the big Handmaid's Tale, like Hulu's main fan group, uh, is huge. It's like 40,000 right. people, right? And then usually what happens is some people don't like the way that that group is run, and so they get, I'm going to go yep. make my other group. And then some people are like, well, I don't want to talk about that thing, but I'm going to go make this other group that talks about this thing. So there's like the non-political one, which somebody I talk, somebody was on Facebook the other day. I was like, I'm going to go infiltrate the non-political one so I can just, just see hear what they talk about. What do they talk about? I wonder that too. Because I don't know how to talk about this show and not talk about politics and race also. Also, there's like uh, a intersectional race group, I think. Oh, yeah. I kind of want to join one, that one and see what's up That one's pretty good. I've talked to those people. Um, there's one that's all like the – there's a large group that convenes down in uh, Atlanta for the do the costumes. It's a cosplay group. Mm-hmm. There is Sweet. like the super – like we didn't like the way the politics were over here in the main group, so we're going to go over here and talk about politics stuff. Um, it, and they're all have the different rules and different pe- – it's – just it's fascinating to me so we're gonna try and talk to some of those people that started those groups just Mm -hmm. to get like a you know wrapping our head around just how that grows and then talking to people that like make stuff for the handmaid's tale you know you see stuff popping up all the time like our 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 favorite person of ken that does the of ken dolls uh which are amazing to me and i love them so much uh she is blown up on instagram and is doing fantastic so hopefully we're going to talk to her and then you have these like niche corners of the internet of the fandom where it's like the Margaret Atwood Society. Did anyone know that was a thing? I did, which is hilarious. But it's one of those things you're like, oh, that exists. How strange because it's like just something you wouldn't know about. I didn't you. know it existed until we talked about doing that type of show. But I was like so excited to find out it existed. Yeah. No, they exist and they are very active. Uh, and then we look at, you know, stuff like fan art, fan fiction. I'm sure there's got to be all kinds of stuff, right? That's going to be pretty fun. And then the last one is kind of our wild card show, and we don't have a name for it yet, but it's uh, kind of a pop culture show where we're going to talk about things that aren't necessarily related to The Handmaid's Tale that we are watching or reading or seeing or doing, whatever. Um, for instance, I know Tiana watched... Uh, Harlots. Harlots while we were on hiatus. It was awesome. She said it was awesome. Spoiler, it was awesome. <laughs> Crystal has watched uh, Sharper Ob- or Sharp Objects and says it was fantastic. Um, I've heard varying opinions on mm-hmm. that. I'm, I'm like... Not quite halfway through Shark Objects. Yeah. I started it and then got off of it and, you know. I watched a few movies. I watched uh, Hereditary, which has Anne Dowd in it. Which yeah, I is, see that. We're going to talk about that as part of our October scary thing. But it was <laughs> it fucking freaked my shit out. Anyway, uh, so we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff. And so that one is still kind of in development as to how exactly we're going to format that. But that'll be a lot of fun because we'll get to talk about all kinds of different stuff that we are into. We are also in October scheduled on the calendar which is big for us. It's actually scheduled, and I think everyone's coming. Uh, we're going to do the Mayday Scary Movie Marathon yep. at Justin's house. It's going to be badass. And I've decided, and you don't know this, we're just going to record that night. Oh, we are? Yes. Okay. We're going to... Well, there's... Before we start... Up, everybody. There's going to be a lot of cursing happening yes. on that show, so, you yes. know, like, imagine what, what normally you hear on our podcast times, like, five. Yes. Because then, you know... Be yelling. It'll be harder to, be. to edit out. It's going to be amazing. So, we look forward to that now. Let's get right into it, because there's a lot to discuss today. Uh, Handmaid's Tale news and updates. Now, first and foremost, we have to discuss what Tiana didn't even know existed until I told her about it. The sexy Handmaid's Tale. Oh, no, I knew it existed. Oh, you knew it existed. I didn't know there was a mass market one. Oh, yes. That's what really weirded me. I mean, the concept of a sexy Handmaid's Tale costume, period, weirds me out, and I I don't, I just, I just want to go hug all of them and be like... Well, and last week when we were, I know, me and Tiana and Crystal met up to, like, plan for the next podcast, and 
we talked about the costume situation and I was like, it's going to be really interesting this year because this, the audience that came in for the second season is decidedly less invested, I think politically and it wasn't, so too, yeah. yeah, they weren't yeah. that built in audience for the handmaid's tale that already was like in with the mm-hmm. social conscious of the show. And so for a more mainstream audience who isn't necessarily plugged into the politics and the issues of it, mm-hmm. I was like, it's going to be real interesting to see how the how costume situation goes. And sure enough, that <laughs> next week, here we come. Uh, so Yandy, which is apparently one of the larger uh, Halloween costume manufacturers and retailers, put up a they just sexy, all in. sexy Handmaid's Tale costume, to which the internet said, excuse us, uh, no thank you. Um, and so they pulled it within, I think, two days or a day of it being online. Uh, I, I really would like to know the process of getting that like so many things so many people have to look at a thing and be like yes that is totally what we're selling we're gonna price it this much we're gonna market it to these people we're gonna make this a thing and approve it and then it goes out there (laughs) and they have to pull it off i just i would really like to meet the people that approved it through that whole process i thought about you this entire time i was like oh yeah because i'm in marketing because because knowing like being a creative person and working in that and knowing how all that comes to be is like somebody didn't just go hey i'm gonna put this online no there were like meetings held about this yeah you gotta make the pattern and like figure out all your sourcing things more than one person there's a lot of thinking that goes into those things and uh yeah you you would think maybe one of them was like i don't know if this is gonna get the best reaction maybe they really wanted the big negative reaction just so people would see it yeah so people would know who's Mm -hmm. yandy what else do they sell yeah what other inappropriate sexy costumes do they have that's a good point tiana and that brings me to the next thing which is uh i so i put a video if you were on our any of our social medias i put it on all of them of my reaction to the sexy handmaid's tail costume (laughs) which is patented old man reaction my old man shaking my head like you kids you don't even know uh but there was a a great twitter post that said some of the uh, same angry white women is how they put it um that are going to be angry about the handmaid's tail costume being inappropriate will also be the same ones that will buy the as they called it sexy pocahontas it was a sexy indian like pocahontas costume why and not have an issue with why and so i thought that brought up a really good point and i retweeted that and i was like as a person who does a handmaid's tale podcast that is absolutely correct because not because i don't think there's people that are would be sensitive to that if you pointed it out to them but i don't think necessarily that that is always People deal with what's in their uh, yeah, sphere I, of... I, yeah, I agree. I, people don't always have the automatic, like, hmm, if this is how I looked in real life, I might find this really offensive. Yes. And, uh, you know, because you don't have to, in that situation, think and, about those things. Some people know and just don't care. And don't true. think it's a big deal, right? This is true. So you have those people. I, I like to pretend those people don't exist. And so you being a, a woman of color, I always, I, you were one of the first persons I thought of because I think it's from the other side an interesting perspective because this person who tweeted this was a native american activist and so she was making the point of you know yeah for us lots of inappropriate things yes. happen every halloween yes and not all of them get the attention that they should that is very true so uh just think about that when you're going to pick out your halloween costume this uh yeah i and any halloween costume where um you know, and I, I say this with the person, the people that I love most in the world are, are mostly white people, my husband and my mother. Um, if you are planning a Halloween costume and you think, hmm, should I make my skin darker so this looks more realistic? That's a real good uh, way to know that that's probably not the Halloween costume for you. 
just say no, kids. Yeah. I think that's, you know. The overwhelming sentiment prob- there. Probably not the best idea. A- ask your ask your minority friend if it's okay and go with whatever they say. Cool. Do you want to do like Tiana's uh, minority costume consulting group? Like people can send you stuff. Oh, yeah. If you want to, if you want to send, if you want to send a uh, Henry Sale related or other minority related costume uh, questions to Mayday, I will totally answer those. Um, just be aware my answers will be public and you may not like them <laughs> so i uh, look forward to that i hope somebody does that that's fantastic yeah um so yeah that that was an interesting thing and, and like i said they took it down within like a day or two of it being up online so it got a fairly quick and swift uh, rebuttal from the vast majority of the internet um there were some of the people that were like you know basically taking away the freedom of this company to make these costumes and people to do whatever they want which is the exact opposite of what you should be done Although I don't necessarily agree with that. That's just the mindset that is out there, I think. I do I do want to add something. Um, I'm not, I don't want to give the impression that I think no white people can ever dress up for Halloween as not white people. But you do need to be aware that since white people probably used to own the other group of people that you might be dressing up as, that has a really different connotation to those people. So, you know... If you really, really, really love Diana Ross and you find the best Diana Ross wig and dress ever and, like, you're super into that and you want to be Diana Ross for Halloween, great. Don't go get, like, a super dark spray tan and try to be Diana Ross. That's called blackface and it's it really should be illegal. Um, but, you know, if you're doing something respectfully, great. But still, ask your minority friend to check for you just in case. It'll never hurt. All right, so also while we were on hiatus, Toronto International Film Festival happened, um, which is one of the larger uh, film festivals that goes on, and, you know, they bring the new films there, and the studios all say, hey, we want to buy that, or they say, hey, that sucks, we're not going to buy that, and then put it out. So several uh, Handmaid's Tale people had things in the works, one which I was completely unaware of. I knew, knew of the movie, but I did not know this person was involved. So first of all, of course, Elizabeth Moss uh, has a new film that was debuted there called Her Smell, which is appropriately titled because essentially what it is is her playing this drug-addled 90s alternative rocker lead singer very much in the vein according to the director of like your l7s and your you know girl bright girl groups yeah, from back yeah. then um and supposedly it is really good um i've not watched anything from the director but allegedly like what he does is makes things that are very uncomfortable to watch and the basic way they describe this movie is like they're 90 percent of it it's basically just her being a train wreck and is one of the harder things and most uncomfortable things to watch. And then there's a little redemption there at the end. So he throws a little. Is she by chance in a badass girl band in this movie? Yes, she is. Nice. Yes. Um, And so I, I, my reaction to that was, Oh, Elizabeth Moss is making a movie where it's uncomfortable to watch for most of it. And then there's a little bit of happy at the end. Hmm. Stretch. I think she's really good at that. <laughs> really branching out. So, Handmaid's Tale audience, you should be okay with that. I think you can handle her smell. So, that I don't know when that's coming out, but they put the trailer out. You know, it's it's done. And so, we'll see when that actually comes out to theaters. The other one, which is interesting and also has, ironically, another 90s alternative reference in it is titled Teen Spirit, which is a movie with Elle Fanning. She's playing this teenager that lives on the Isle of Wight and is entering an international singing competition with hopes of kind of getting the hell out of there. And so the person who's directing this is Max Minghella. 
Yeah, I had no idea he had directorial aspirations. Literally, so, his first, this is the I really first just thing don't know that much about him other right. than what he says about The Handmaid's Tale. Now, <laughs> so now, that was pretty interesting. For those that don't know, his dad is a director, was a film director. Oh, I didn't know. That. Yes. Uh, so his father, I think, is Italian or English. I think he's English. And he is also a film director. So he's got a little bit of that kind of in his background. But this is the first thing he's directed. Like, you go to IMDb and you look director for Max Mingo, and this is it. Bam. Huh. So, and, you know, Elle Fanning is pretty fantastic all pretty on her great. own. She frequently blows me away. Um, if you want to see <laughs> something that sounds similar to this, only is terrifying, horrible, and features one of the more disgusting things I've ever seen, uh, there's a movie with her and... Uh, I think it's Neon Demon. That's what it's called. Oh, that's a great name. That's Neon a band Demon. name right there. Yeah, Neon Demon is the name of this movie. Somebody and, make um, that your band name. It's her and Christina Hendricks. And oh, she's fantastic, yeah, too. Yeah, it's, it's very, very, very visceral, uh, is what I'll say. Uh, the other person I was thinking of, who, oh, Jenna Malone is in it. And uh, let's just say that if you have a, a squeamish stomach, not to watch. Is, mm, is there the some eating disorders? Tw- featured in this um well because it's modeling sort of but there's eating of things mm, yeah okay. there's some things that you're probably not going to enjoy that's interesting so but so. again it's called teen spirit max Mingella directed it supposedly got a pretty good reaction so we'll see i don't know when that's coming out either just no. in case you're too young for that reference teen spirit is the name of a very famous song by nirvana it's, um it smells like teen spirit yeah it's, it's, name. it's uh it's from the album never mind it's the one that it's it's what made them more mainstream and famous all over the country. Um, the video is pretty spectacular. <laughs> this is back when MTV played videos it's true. all day long. Uh, so if you don't know that one, it's uh, 1991. It's the band a- is Nirvana. Yeah. Um, if you've heard of Kurt Cobain, he was in the band. Dave Grohl, who's in the band called the Foo Fighters, is the, was the drummer for yeah. Nirvana. If you need any more information on Nirvana or anything really 90s music related, Feel free to hit us up on social media. Oh, yeah. Media. We'll, we'll be all over that one. Yeah. yeah. We like that. Uh, Madeline Brewer. And I'd heard about this uh, movie. I know you had posted something about it. I yeah. Think. While you were out, this is something that people were really interested in on social. Yeah. They got a new uh, Netflix movie called Cam, C-A-M, uh, which is described on IMDb as such by this uh, person, Hugo Van Herp, which sounds like a made-up name. It but, totally does. Uh, unerotic webcam performer finds her fel- follower stolen by a doppelganger who hijacks her channel, pushes the sexual envelope farther, and otherwise seems determined to destroy her life. Call it identity theft of a sexy, possibly supernatural kind. Uh, Madeline Brewer plays two roles in this, obviously. She plays her whatever the character Herself is, and then and the, the doppelganger. doppelganger. Uh, and that's really all the information we have on it. I have no idea um, when it's coming out. Uh, I think the debuted, like, I think they had it done, like, in July. Yeah. But I, I did not see it on Netflix yet. I went and looked at it last night. It was not there. But. When when I originally found this and posted about it uh, on the Mayday channels, I didn't know yet about the doppelganger part. Oh. Um, so now I'm, like, way more interested yeah. because ever since I found Orphan Black and fell in love with it, I'm, like, fascinated by actors and actresses who are, like, forced to play more than one person in their same body, basically. Yeah. Um, and it's... Oh, yeah. Now I'm really excited about it. Yep. So there's that. And then she's also, just if you look at her IMDb, there's a movie that is in post-production. I don't remember what it's called. I'm not going to look it up. But where she also plays two roles of the same, like, the same person in the movie. Oh, there is? Yeah. The other, there's a movie on Netflix called What Happened to, I'm going to say What Happened to Monday. Uh, oh, I loved that one. Did you watch that? Okay, yes. Because that is, uh, and I'm going to, it's a very dystopian. Seven. Where they're only supposed to have, what, one kid, right? This family has seven and they name them all after the days yeah. of the week. What would that be? Septuplets? Yes. And then essentially what they have to do to protect them is only one gets to go out on that day. And yeah. they all just have to be the same person. Yeah. 
But this they is can why wait. they're named they're the names of the week. Yeah. So then they know when they can go out. Supposedly, Tiana says it's really good. She watched it. Is it is really good. I have not seen it. But that is on Netflix. That is a Netflix uh, original. Um, now, if you can yeah, wade... I mean, it's no orphan black, but also very impressive acting. If you can wade through the nonstop stream of Netflix originals that is like... Drink, I, there are so many. Like drink, Every time I turn it on, there's a bunch more. It's like trying to drink out a fire hose. It is. is. what I feel like. Me and... Uh, Delia talked about it when we were talking about the Emmys and how uh, Handmaid's Tale was the first streaming sh- service show to win Best Drama Series. And I said, I kind of think that Netflix doesn't care. Like, And I've compared them, and this is probably not the favor- most favorable comparison, but I feel like they are the McDonald's of streaming services. And that she goes, and her response was, 100 million burgers served? Yes, exactly. And so I was like, they're just going to keep putting out these things. And, and every once in a while, they'll be like this thing where you go there and you get it and you're like, that was pretty great. Why don't we have more of those? And they'll be like, yeah, whatever. And they keep producing stuff. And then the McRib comes out and you're like, hell yeah, that was fantastic. Let's do that again. And so like, they just keep pushing stuff out. And I know the end game for them is to have only their content mm-hmm. on Netflix so that they don't have to worry about paying for anybody else's content and it's just theirs, which is great. And Well, they, they've actually said all their own content, which could include yes. things that were produced by other people okay. and they bought the rights to. I got you. I got you. Uh, so that's what they're doing. And they, they do produce some really good things, but they produce so much that uh, so the other much. comparison is like we always talk about me going to the comic book store for the first time. <laughs> and I took my daughter and I'm like, oh, my God, where do I even start? Why are there five Batmans? What is going on? And I just turn Five? Around. That seems low. I know, right? <laughs> uh, so kudos to Netflix for doing some good things, but it's it's overwhelming. It is really overwhelming. I wish they could just be a little more spread out, maybe. Exactly. I often have the experience where, and this happens to me somewhat on Amazon Prime and Google, or, um, Hulu as well, but for the most part on Netflix, where I go, like, I have this, like, window of an hour in the evening where I can watch something, and my kid is asleep, so I don't have to worry about him walking in, and, like, it's mostly free time for me, and it is a golden hour, but every once in a while... I look up and I've spent almost that entire hour just trying to find something to watch because there are so many things that I'm like, oh, I don't know what that is either. Let me watch the little prim- Oh, look at that. I've never heard of that either. Oh, hey, there's an actress I really like. Let's see what this is. And before I know it, like 40 minutes has gone by. I'm so glad that happens to somebody else. Yeah, it's maybe it only happens to ADD people. I don't know. It might. But it is overwhelming. It is. It's tough. There's so, too many choices. There is a lot of TV. Peak TV. And speaking of peak TV... We have the Emmy Awards, which we can talk about. Oh, the Emmys. Or as I refer to them as, seriously, how do we not give Yvonne Strahovski a fucking award? That's yeah. what I refer to them as. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, as I said, the other categories that they did not win for, I felt like there could at least be an argument made. But the Yvonne Strahovski thing blows my mind. And I, I watched Westworld, so I'm not, like, ignorant of Thandie Newton's performance, and she's a fantastic yeah. actress, and she was great. But she's damn. great in a whole lot of things. She's really great overall, period. But damn. She didn't yeah. get her finger cut off. She got a lot of things to happen to her. So I can't, you know, Westworld, they do a lot of crazy <laughs> yeah, crap. Yeah, she's had way worse there's, things There's all to her. kinds of crap. So let's just break this down a little bit. So did you did not watch the Emmys yourself. You're I not, did not. I read okay. about them afterward. Um, you know, like I said, I get like an hour, maybe yeah. some days to watch television. And this is a lot more than an hour in one night. I understand. So I did, and I live-tweeted it, as I am wont to do. Um, it was a good time, and you know, people had a pretty positive reaction about the things we were saying and doing. I thought they were okay overall. The Michael Shea and uh, Colin Jost, I, whatever. 
as far as hosting goes. Just, eh, you know, they kind of did Do like... Do you generally like them on Weekend Update on SNL? I don't watch a lot of SNL. Okay. Because generally that is about the time when I'm actually uh, watching the whatever crazy stupid movie and show that I want right, to watch. Right, when you're spending an hour looking through Netflix? Correct. Okay. Correct. I feel like I need someone to just say, this is what you're watching on Netflix today. Anyway. Um, so, it was fine. And they were fine. There were some funny things, and we'll talk about it, some of those in a second and go through the highlights. But I, I thought Stephen Colbert was much better last season. Um, I kind of felt like they... I did, really enjoyed Stephen Colbert. Yeah. I felt like they did what we expected them to do, which was kind of like this weekend update light version mm-hmm. hosting of the mm-hmm. show. Um, there was this... It was, it was weekend update with a different political bent. Right. And there was also Fred Armisen and Maya Rudolph who were brought, who were like, they did this whole skit thing where they were like the Emmy experts. Yeah. It was mostly terrible. Yeah. And not funny. I read about that and I feel like just reading about it was enough for me to decide that I don't really need to see it. And you could tell it was really Which is a shame because I love both of them. Yes. And they're both great. Uh, But this particular thing was- Not funny enough to do over and over and over, I imagine. And there were funny parts of it, um, but by and large, you could tell they were improving it. And it just wasn't going well. So, in my opinion, if somebody else liked it, that's fine. But so let's talk about some positive things before we get into the rest of the crazy crap. The Creative Arts Emmys, which are held the week before the Emmys, and are mostly for your, you know, costume design, your backstage, your your crew, and like creative people type stuff, your production design, those types of things. But they also have a few actor awards, um, and they have guest actor and actress, and Samira Wiley won for Handmaid's Tale. So we do have uh, Samira Wiley, because they didn't televise this until after they did it. So they tape it on the weekend, and they put it out on a Monday, and they just don't tell anybody, because it's the creative arts amazing, and they don't think people are going to care. So we do have... Uh, but we do care. We have it on the YouTube from the Associated Press, a YouTube video that was running down Samira Wiley's win. So let's take a listen to that. And the Emmy goes to Samira Wiley, and they still... Um, I'd like to thank Hulu and MGM, Warren, Bruce, Elizabeth Moss, who is the most amazing scene partner a girl could ask for, Um, Bill Valoric, who has shaped my career and is my friend, and my wife, Lauren Morelli, who every day shows me what real passion is for your work, and every hour gives me a reason to breathe. Thank you. All right. So, Laura Morelli, for those who don't know, is uh, obviously her wife. They met while she was working on Orange is the New Black. She is a writer for the show. I think she's still a writer for the show. So, that was pretty awesome. And so, I know you were very excited about that, as everyone yeah. is want yeah. to be. So, what's she's your... Just, she just seems like such an amazing person. Like, a really good human all around, as well as being a phenomenal actress. Yeah. Was, There's nothing uh, bad to say about it. I think she's fantastic. Also... It's worth mentioning that the opposite of that award, the uh, guest actor, was Ron Cephas Jones, who yes. did a ridiculously good job making everybody cry like a baby in This Is Us. Yeah, I feel like it's it's long enough ago that I can mention that he dies. <laughs> if you aren't aware of that, you either don't watch the show or you don't care. Um, There's a statute of limitations on those kinds of things, especially yeah, in this is. day, day and there age is. of TV. There but at is. some point, yeah. we have to be able to talk. If about If you are it. listening to us and you haven't heard about this, like that's your own problem, right? Um, yeah. So all four winners of the guest fantastic. actor or guest actress awards were people of color. So as uh, you want to run down, you have the list there of who they were. All four winners for the guest actor and actress awards were Tiffany Haddish, making the laughs. 
for Saturday Night uh, Cat Williams for Atlanta. I still haven't watched Atlanta. Atlanta's I really want to watch it, but I feel like I don't have the bandwidth to add another. That's really what I feel like you should. Intense show like if that. If you're going to add one, I feel like there's probably something I could tell you to take out. Oh, yeah. Nice. For Atlanta. Nice, Atlanta's nice. great. Ron Cephas Jones, like we just talked about for This Is Us and the amazing Samira Wiley yep. for The Handmaid's Tale. So, first time ever, all four winners for the Guest Actor and Actress Awards were people of color. So yeah. That's pretty awesome. So, give them more screen time. There you go. Hopefully we will get some more screen time for uh, Samir Wiley, at least. We don't know about those other shows. Um, but we definitely need more of her. I think yeah, that was yeah, one of my sure. main issues with Handmaid's Tale this season is not enough of them. But I don't know how much story-wise they could have done. Yeah, point. that's true. That's true. It is. There are so many great stories in The Handmaid's Tale that it's got to be really, yes. really tough decisions to decide who to tell more of. All right, guys. Quick break in the action. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Thanks to everybody who's listening. Uh, once again, you can enter our Handmaid's Tale costume contest. Visit our website, allconsumingcontent.com, for more information. That's allconsumingcontent.com, or check us out on social media, at Handmade Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Judging for us this year in the group category will be Lizzie Hale of the band Hailstorm. Now, one of the things Lizzie is passionate about is mental health. Uh, just yesterday on her Instagram account, which you can find at official Lizzie Hale. Now, Lizzie, for those of you who don't know, is spelled with no I. So it's L-Z-Z-Y-H-A-L-E. It's official Lizzie Hale on Instagram. Hashtag raise your horns if you battled or been touched by mental illness. I encourage you to post a photo of you raising your horns and show everyone that we are not alone. Tag hashtag raise your horns. Share with a friend. The more people that are unapologetic about this affliction that affects most of us here on Earth, together we can destroy the stigma. Uh, she's awesome and having had, you know, my own experiences with mental health and my family's history. Uh, I can say thank you to Lizzie for working to bring awareness to that issue. It's a very vital and important issue. So if you're experiencing those issues, you got some support out there. Uh, thanks to Lizzie once again. You can find her on Instagram at official Lizzie Hale. Once again, that's L-Z-Z-Y-H-A-L-E. We are pumped to have her on board with the contest. Really looking forward to it. Uh, tons more stuff on Lizzie Hale and Hailstorm as the contest rolls on. Now back to the show. So one of the other things that I enjoyed that they did do on Saturday or on uh, the Emmys was Michael Shea did what are called the reparation Emmys. Oh yeah. Which was hilarious to me because they were just talking about, you know, last year was a huge year for LGBTQ and uh, people of color, which was kind of the opposite of this year. Like by and large, it was a uh, kind of a whitewash, if you will, Mm -hmm. of the Emmys. And so he did this entire skit about how, notoriously and for a long time there weren't a lot of people of color winning and being nominated and so he goes back with an exception <laughs> yes yes with an exception um and so he go he decides that they're going to do reparation emmys and go back and give some emmys to actors and actresses that should have won for their contributions so he he you know made the joke that they came from a specific winner yes so i'm gonna play this because i pulled it up because they do have it um television academy this is on um YouTube from their channel, so the Emmys actually put this on here. And so I I started it right with the first person he talks to, and so this is pretty great. Excuse me, Miss Marla Gibbs? Yes? We would like to present to you this Reparations Emmy. Well, your role as Florence the Maid is the reason why I got fired from every service job I've ever had. Well, thank you. I think. Is this the real Emmy? Yeah, it's the real thing. What do you think? Man, I can't. I cannot believe this. I just got one word for this thing. Well, say it. It is dynamic! (laughs) 
Kadeem Hardison. Man, what up, Jay? Man, your character as Dwayne Wayne on a different world. I don't think you realize how many young brothers you actually inspired to go to college. Well, I'm glad you went to college, bruh. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, because I went to college. Man, Jaleel, Steve Urkel was the OG black man. I mean, if it wasn't for you, there'd be no Donald Glover. There'd be no Kanye West. There'd be Where no Obama. Did I do that? Yeah, man. You did that. This is for your amazing work on Martin, on Everybody Hates Chris, and for being pound for pound the best sitcom actress I have ever seen. So the, the Academy just gave this to you? Let's just say I stole it from Bill Cosby. <laughs> you what? Dude, you know nobody from The Wire won an Emmy? I know, and Brian Cranston won like six for Breaking Bad. If Brian Cranston got six Emmys, you just Alba should have like ten Emmys. Anybody from The Wire is better than Brian Cranston. You know he only won because he's white, right? Absolutely. Only reason he won. Absolutely. If he was black, he'd probably bagging groceries at Trader Joe's somewhere. <laughs> uh, they, they show Brian Cranston sitting right behind them. To you this reparations Emmy. That's for your lifetime of work on television. You're a legend. And it's about time you got recognized. Man, I want to enjoy that. 1968, I spy, I spy. No, 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 no. <laughs> so I feel like I got to get a little context here because this is video. Uh, so this is John Witherspoon, who for the vast majority of the people here is, uh, if you watch the movie Friday, which I'm guessing you have, uh, he's Ice Cube's dad. Um, and so he was looking at the Emmy that he handed to him and it's 1968 and it's for I spy because he said he stole it from Bill Cosby. And he's like, we can't have this. I can't have this in my house. It's Reparation <laughs> Emmy. It's for you. Reparation is not for Emmy. It's for 40 acres and a mule. I don't have 40 acres and a mule. Well, get me 40 mules and an acre. I'll take that. <laughs> when we did a different world, it wasn't really about awards. You know what I mean? It was for the people. So you don't want it? No, no, I'm going to keep this. Oh, for sure. I'll find something to do with this. Good looking out, bro. Yeah, find something made me say I was dying watching that um, mostly because I watched all of those shows right so that's like totally like I guess Michael Shea is probably like our age because all of those shows were like from the 90s and our yeah. kind of era yeah, yeah. Um, so the people that they did were Marla Gibbs now she was Florence from the Jeffersons she was the maid and she was the one that was always giving George shit all the time and she was a badass now for us and I don't know if you watch this show or not but this is one of my like uh, like when I used this is where I refer to this show because like when I was too young to like go hang out yet by myself mm-hmm. on a Friday night and we were at like grandma's house and you put on NBC when NBC and like uh, ABC kind of owned the Friday night block and 227 was on she was the mom in 227 I did not watch 227 because oh, Jack A was on that and it was on the same set that they taped Sesame Street on so what? Like, <laughs> yeah so the the front of their apartment which is like a brownstone in right. uh, New York it was the same set that you would see, like, Oscar the Grouch's trash nice. can in front of. Nice. And the whole thing. Like, because I remember watching it, I was like... It was a beautiful street. Wait a minute. I know what that is. Um, so, also, Jimmy J.J. Walker, who was from Good Times, played J.J., and he was the one I always say Dynamite, and that's why yeah. the dynamic thing was funny. Uh, he still does tours and, like, does stand-up comedy and stuff, yeah, so he's yeah, still yeah. around. Um, Kadeem Hardison from A Different World, which was a show that was a Cosby show spinoff. Yeah, I watched A Different World. That was a great show. In the video, if you watch it, it Michael Shea is wearing the Dwayne Wayne glasses with the flip-up oh, lenses. I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah it's it. pretty funny. Uh, Jaleel White, obviously. Steve Urkel from Family Matters. And then Tashina Arnold, who played Pam, Gina's best friend on Martin. 
and she was on Everybody Hates Chris, yeah. and then a show called Survivor's Remorse, which is supposed there, to be There awesome. should have been some reparation awards for uh, people, like, everybody from right? In Living Color. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like In Living Color deserves its own, Yeah, like, it probably did win one or two back in the day. Did. This was way before I was it cared about Emmys and, like, yes. who won things. Um, yeah, but, yeah. yeah, that was Keno. one of the best shows on. Uh, and the last one was John Witherspoon, who he said, you know, played Ice Cube's dad in Friday. And I was looking up, I looked up a thing about him the other day about that. They got paid $5,000 to do Friday. What? All the actors did. Because they made it for like $2 million and Ice Cube was going to front all the money. And then one of the studios picked it up and said, well, don't put all the money up. Like if it fails, then we can take a $2 million hit. You can't. But yeah, $5,000 for all the actors that did that. Wow. Uh, the other thing, and I, this is one of the things that I uh, talked to the internet about and got their opinion on, and it was kind of amusing to me. Was uh, Tiffany Haddish's dress? It's pretty cool. It was pretty awesome, and you know you're used to seeing like either and some... she can pull some shit off. Like she could show up in a paper bag and still look amazing. Yeah. So for those that don't know, uh, I'll, I'll post it online, and it's probably up somewhere on our social media. But she wore this dress that was like essentially rainbow colored, and it, what I didn't know until someone po- pointed it out to me on Facebook was that it is uh, supposed to be it's it, re- representing the Eritrean flag, uh, which she has some heritage from. It's just a country in Africa. And so that was pretty awesome. I did not know that. I just thought the dress was awesome. Because you're used to seeing, like, some form of either, like, black dress, little black dress, some, Mm -hmm. you know, iteration of that. You're not used to seeing this giant thing that is just bright and bold. Yeah, yeah. You don't see a lot of primary colors on the red carpet. Um but it was it was pretty awesome. I loved it. It was a lovely dress. Yeah, some people and, and it looked really comfortable, which is also a thing you don't see very much on yes. the red carpet. And some people on the Facebooks had varying opinions on it, as they do. Not everybody liked the dress, right? Right. Uh, but some people compared it rather appropriately in retrospect to like the parachutes that you used to use in gym class. Yeah, where where <laughs> everybody stands in a circle and yeah. like pops somebody up in the middle or like hides them underneath. Yes, I thought Yeah, that. it is it is a little bit reminiscent of that probably also because of the style of dress. Like it was very, very flowy. flowy. Yeah. Yeah, I had a lot of a lot of material. So that was a highlight for me because that was like one of the first things I saw when I flipped on the pre the pre shit. I was like, "Whoa." I was like, "That yeah. is big and bright and awesome." And she's hilarious anyway. Yeah. Um her big kind of breakthrough was in Girls, Girls Trip, Trip. Yeah. which is hilarious. Uh, so the other highlight, which I thought was awesome and then got an amazing reaction, was they do Best Director for a Variety or Variety Show is one of the awards. And the guy that directed the Oscar Awards, uh, the Academy Awards, won for Best Director. And so he got up there and um, <laughs> he did something that no, I had not ever seen before. And I don't think anybody else had ever seen before. His name is Glenn Weiss. And he got up there and he started talking about uh, the award and his mother passing away and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden he starts talking about his girlfriend. And they pan to her in the crowd and then he's like talking about her. He's like, you know, I don't want to really call you my girlfriend. That's because I want to call you my wife. And then everybody flips out. And so he he proposes to her on live television at the Emmy Awards. Yeah. Like I... I don't think this is the situation with them. I'm sure they are very much in love, and this was a great thing that happened. Although, every time I see a public marriage proposal like this, every time, I'm like, it's a trap. You can't say no <laughs> in front of that many people. Everybody will freak out and hate you. Well, it's that, it's like it's it's like forcing a yes. Well, but the, the most hilarious part is he kind of turned that on his head. Like, as soon as he said, I don't want to call you my girlfriend anymore... 
she got up and like they started panning and like celebrating and like she was like freaking out and like everybody was like telling her to come up there and she gets like halfway up the aisle and he's like well, I didn't ask yet <laughs> like just joking around and I was like that's hilarious yeah she was just like because my wife was like oh, what if she says no yeah like, what are you gonna do every time somebody does it publicly you're like but what if they say no but she got up that there would be terrible she got up there and uh said yes and so they did the whole thing and it was it was really awesome very like human moment in the midst of usually like something that's kind of banal and boring but uh so kudos to them for doing that and for the emmys for sticking with that whole thing yeah. but not that they could do anything um well yeah but they didn't try to like no they didn't try to cut them off yeah. or like push it off or like, like whatever but I, I did tweet out at them. I was like, leave it to the guy who directed the Oscars to uh, have the showstopper moment at the Emmys. You know, really knows how to, like, put on a show. Good he knows job. what he's doing. Right? Yeah. He figured it out. Uh, so other things. Let's see. We'll do a little brief Emmy breakdown here before we get into all the awards that we didn't win, which was all of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the totals for wins combined, Creative Arts and the regular telecast, HBO and Netflix tied with 23. So as much trash as I talked about Netflix, they twenty three awards. Uh, NBC won sixteen, and then FX won twelve, which was pretty good. Uh, programs with multiple awards: Game of Thrones was huge, uh, had a huge night. Seven Creative Arts, and then two at the telecasts for nine. Saturday Night Live had eight, seven at the Creative Arts, and one. And then Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is a fantastic Maisel. show. Maisel, that's it. Sorry, I it's one of those. I just learned it's that it was Maisel. very Jewish. Yes. Um, they had three at the Creative Arts, and they had five on the telecast. It was a and huge night for them. That show is awesome. That show is amazing. you got to watch it. It's that so show good. is amazing. It that is. actress is amazing. I don't know her name, and uh, she's Rachel, super familiar. Rachel Brosnahan. But I can't remember what I've seen her in, and she's – you just can't take your eyes off her. Yeah. She's fantastic. She's fantastic. It's a great – I mean, the, all the other characters are also good. Everybody does a good job in that show. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. She's, so they won five. Alex Borstein won for uh, Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series. Amy Sherman Palandino is the writer and creator of the show. She also did Gilmore Girls. And she was the first person to win writing and directing back-to-back in the same night for the same oh, show. wow. Uh, yeah, and so that's pretty awesome. And so, like, within, like, a 30-minute time span, they won, like, four awards. It was just crazy. And Rachel Brosnahan won for the main character, who is Miriam Midge Maisel. And if you've never watched that show, it's on Amazon Prime Video. And yeah. it's essentially about, I think, is it the 50s? It is the 50s, yeah. And she's a housewife, you know, because it's the 50s. Um, and a, a very well-to-do family, a uh, Jewish family in New York. And she decides, I, I'm not going to get into why or how, but she decides to do stand-up comedy um, almost by accident. Yeah. But she's fantastic at it. And... It, kind of goes from there it's it's a little um it's very very funny it's somewhat serious at times and you really uh she's just very real in it like her reactions to things Mm -hmm. the way she deals with the stresses in her life like it's very very real i'm not sure if it would be super too easy to identify with for people who are have never been married or had children um, but it's still going to be hilarious, so all of you should totally watch it anyway. And it also plays with all the gender, you know. Yeah, she norms is not the era. stereotype, right? She's definitely not. She has a mind, and she likes to use it. Uh, Tony Shalhoub is her dad yes. in the show, and one of the funnier things for me, and I've not watched the whole season, but uh, so her mom, they sleep in separate beds, like you know, like yeah, because it's TV, the fifties, they the have 50s. twin beds. And what the mom does is because she never wants the husband to see her without makeup. 
She will oh. go to sleep with the makeup on, and they'll go to sleep together. Mitch does it, too. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, you see her do it, I think, in the oh, pilot episode. And so she, then when he falls asleep, she gets up after he falls asleep, goes and washes all the makeup off, mm-hmm. goes back to Takes sleep. Takes off the fake eyelashes. Right. Puts and then the, puts the cold cream on. Sets her alarm earlier than his, gets up, puts all the makeup back on, and then lays back down in the bed for him to wake up and see her. Still <laughs> her looking makeup. perfect. It it's is hilarious. ridiculous and hilarious at the same time. And to think that people actually used to do that kind of boggles my mind. Right. I can't even be bothered to put on makeup for work half the time. Um, but th- there is also something I'm really enjoying about this show that's kind of, I don't, I don't really have a better way to describe it other than it feels like a play. Mm. A lot of the staging and the writing feels very much like it the was actual. meant for the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really enjoying that. Yeah. I don't get to go to the theater as much as I would like anymore. And this is, it's it's been really nice to see that kind of like bam 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 block and quick lines and interject from another room and right. it's well, it's been really nice if you watch gilmore girls i didn't know that she did the marvelous mrs Maisel until like two episodes into it i was like who does this show and oh i didn't she, know it was the same she, yeah amy sherman Palandino, who is the one that did oh. gilmore girls as she does well Marvel, she did it like mrs. with Maisel. her husband yeah. for gilmore girls too and so i was like oh well that makes sense now because the the, the cadence of yeah. the speech and the way it's written and the dialogue is very similar. It's not as kind of overwhelming. As yeah, I it's, it's definitely different. Gilmore but... Girls was. There's a little more space to it, but it, it definitely gets the same vibe. Um, so other highlights, let's see. Uh, Henry Winkler, which I thought was awesome because that was the first award they did was uh, supporting actor in a, a comedy series. Uh, he won for Barry, which is on, I think, show, oh, it's on HBO. And uh, Delia, who we were, I was doing the show with, that's like one of her favorite shows. That like is oh, one of really? those that just kind of slide under the radar. And it's essentially like Bill Hader is a, a hitman. It's very uh, gross point blank. Only she said a little darker, but it's comedy. Uh, and so Henry Winkler is apparently on there, which I did not know. I didn't know that either. And he won for the for his performance, and he got up there and he was super excited, and that was really cool to see. Um, now, one of the more unexpected things, just because I feel like we watched it forever ago just because of the timing of when it came out, was the two awards that Godless won. Um, oh, so yeah. Godless came out on Netflix, like and it's odd timing because I don't know when the cutoff is. Um, and so it's been around a long time, and I know both you and I had watched it, mm-hmm. and it was kind of billed as this, like, women, feminist, Western thing, which it isn't necessarily. Um, yeah. If you go... It has all the pieces to do that, but that's not what it does. Yes. they. It's definitely a little bit of a bait and switch as far as the marketing was concerned. Yeah, that's true. It is still very well done in the vast majority of the areas of what it does. Uh, yeah. The performances yeah. are, for the vast majority, great. Um, the cinematography is awesome because they shot it on this gigantic ranch in New Mexico, I think. Yeah. The It almost feels Westworld-ish, and yeah. it's uh, like the vastness of where it's being filmed yeah it's huge and uh so i was super excited that Merritt weaver won for outstanding supporting actress because she, she is, is awesome amazing in this show and the best she's part good was in a, most yeah. things she does she's very good but for this particular role it's interesting because it is a western and it's this town essentially if you haven't seen the show where all the men died in a mining accident for the most part there's like four men left um that weren't working in the mines and so all the she women... Is, and she's the most feminist character in yes, the show. She runs... They all run the town and live there and do things. And her husband, I think, was the sheriff or the mayor, one yeah, of the two. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what his role was, but he was, like, the person in charge. Right. And so now she is kind of the badass of the town. And her character is very interesting because she has that front, but she has also got this um, 
for the time, very controversial relationship with another woman in town. Um, and the way they handle it in the show is outstanding. And the interactions between yeah. those two are phenomenal. Yeah, and definitely, like, you learn enough about her character through, you know, things mentioned in passing uh, with other people that know her. Her brother is still alive, mm-hmm. and he's part of the show. Um, yeah, so, her brother is the sheriff. Uh-huh. Yeah, the current sheriff. Yeah, the, like, entirety of law enforcement in this town. Um, and there are enough things in passing that you get the impression that she has probably always been a lesbian. Yeah. And just, you know because of the time and what you do and what you have to do. Like she had a husband and, you know, was a wife to a man for a while. Um, And she probably did care for him because I don't see her ever marrying somebody. She really didn't like that much. She's clearly too strong willed for that. But yeah, her character was just fascinating. I really wish the show had been mostly about her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was a thing where they marketed very much heavily on the female side of the characters and the female side of the story. Mm-hmm. But if you watch the, f- the, the show, the first episode and a half essentially is setting up what all the men do mm-hmm. before you even get to the women. So mm-hmm. it is, a little, like I said, a little bit of a bait and switch, but the performances and the vast majority of what they do is fantastic. And, and there, there's still a lot of really sexist men in that show, oh, yeah. which felt really the opposite of what the promos were doing, you know, yeah. like... So that's just something to know going in. Totally worth your time to watch, though. And that's how I framed it. Every time I talk about it, I was like, there's a lot to know before you watch it so that you you know what you're watching going in. So you don't feel cheated. Correct. Um, And they also deal with, like, the slavery angle, the post-slavery angle of the town outside Mm -hmm. of the town where Mm -hmm. all the ex-slaves live and all that. So that was a very interesting thing as well. So Jeff Daniels also won for that, and he's... As always, fantastic as yeah. the bad guy in this Frank Griffin. Man, there are just so many amazing actors. Like, I feel like we're going to look back on this time, 20, 30 years, and be like, God, you remember when all these amazing people were just making all of these shows right up your alley? Because no matter what your alley is, there's, there's probably 20 something. shows for it right yep. now. Yep. Uh, so what else? Um, oh, Assassination of Johnny Versace, which I did not watch, but I've heard fantastic things about really? it. Really? I know v- yeah. basically nothing about it. Yeah, so it's part of Ryan... Um, Ryan Murphy's American Crime Story series, which is essentially every year that they do the series, it's based on a different notorious crime. The first one they did was on the O.J. Simpson murder, um, which was also really highly regarded. Uh, this one also very um, highly regarded as well. Won several awards. Darren Chris, who is the main guy who plays the person who does end up murdering Gianni Versace, uh, was pretty fantastic. He won for lead actor in a limited series. So I've heard nothing but good things about that from the people that I know have watched it. Uh, Regina King, now her... her her award was, I think, kind of a shock to people. It was in this uh, series, a uh, limited series on Netflix called Seven Seconds. Peter Dinklage won for Supporting Actor. So let's talk about this. Um, so Supporting Actor, we had uh, Joseph Fiennes nominated. And he did not win, obviously. Uh, Peter Dinklage, this is another one where I just couldn't argue with anything that happened, right? Because Right, because these people are all, all amazing. Great. They yes. all do a fantastic job. And some of them are in shows I really, really love. And if The Handmaid's Tale did not exist and I didn't know about some of the actors there, I would absolutely be rooting for the people that won. Right. Uh, and Peter Dinklage is always awesome. And he's always awesome on that show. And as much crap as I give my wife about Game of Thrones, and there's some not necessarily fundamental things. I have an issue with one storyline last year, which I will not talk about anymore. It's a great show. And it's well it's done. It's so well done. It's so well done from yeah. basically every... This is a show I literally did not want to like. Like, I had tried to read the first book, and I just could not get into mm-hmm. it. And everybody was talking about the show, and I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to watch, like, the pilot episode, 
just so like I know what's going on enough that I can follow these exactly. conversations because all of my friends that were really into things that I like were talking about this show and it totally sucked me in. It's just good. It's it, so good. It just is. Um, Mostly yeah, because of the performances, really. Yep, like, yep. they all inhabit the these characters so, the... so well. And Peter Dinklage is just a great actor all around, does a lot of great work. And there's a lot of, like, really strong female characters in that show as well. You know, you got Khaleesi. Especially now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have, to a totally different degree, um, <laughs> Cersei so, Lannister. Cersei to the other, the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. There. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's a lot. So Daenerys, uh, Cersei, there's just, uh, you know, Sansa who took as I, as me and Nikki has been rewatching. She the took series. the most annoying role oh, ever. Took the like longest it arc. So the longest awesome. arc to like getting a clue. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she, but she did the annoying part of her role really early on. Like she pulled it off so well. Yep. It was totally believable that she was that irritating in real life. And she went through some terrible shit, which they shouldn't have made that character uh, yeah, necessarily in the show. She deserves all the things, <laughs> that character. She should just get all of the things Yes, in yes. the end. Oh, and then uh, Arya Stark, who is her little sister, who yeah. is Maisie Williams. Also turned into a completely different person. Yes. Then she started out this series yeah. as. She that's should. a that's a crazy arc there. That is an insane arc. Um, so yeah, that was good. Uh, so I really couldn't argue with anybody in the category, and I think Joseph Fiennes, by and large, his performance gets kind of overlooked on this show just because they he doesn't have as much meat to work with. He does, yeah, he usually, doesn't have as much to do, and not as much screen time. And so it, it's one of those things that I think it's just you know, who, what are you going to? You can't argue against Peter Dinklage. I, yeah, <clears throat> I agree. Peter Dinklage also doesn't have enough to do in his show often, right. but when he does, it's pretty, pretty fantastic. Awesome. Now, there were some X factors to go along with the Emmys and the way that uh, who went down and won and why. So you had the Americans, which by and large, from all the people that I know have watched it, uh, is amazing. One of my favorite shows ever. And so it was in its final season. And yeah. it has not been a huge winner at the Emmys uh, a lot. Totally under and the so radar. And so very much like I compared it to the uh, Lord of the Rings movies, right? And that there were three of them, obviously. And they didn't win for a long time when they were up for a number of Academy Awards. And then finally, the last one, they were like, okay, now you can win. Now it's your turn. <laughs> you <laughs> so, waited long bam, enough. Thanks for being patient. And so I kind of felt like that was the case with the Americans where finally they were like, this show has been awesome for this long. Here it's you go. It's fantastic. And yeah. so they won for Best Actor. Uh, he won. And then they won a couple other things. They won Writing. That, uh, Handmaid's Tale was up for. And then the other one was, there was a kind of an X Factor with The Crown. So... The Crown on Netflix, which if you don't know, um, deals with Queen Elizabeth and that the whole the current, the Queen, current Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth. And what they are doing is very interesting: is that every two seasons they're changing the actors that play them. Yeah, as well, they she age, needs to age a lot. Yes, so obviously. As, as they age, they switch out the actors. So Claire Foy has played her. Um, no, I'm ism. so sad. She's like, she was. She's so great i can't imagine this show without her right. but like this is gonna happen every two yeah. years yeah so her and um so matt smith plays prince name ever um and it's a fantastic show i kind of feel like when me and Dilly were talking about it, that i feel like that show the performances on that show are better than like the show like the it's costume not, and yeah. set design on that show yeah. will blow your mind yeah. but those two performances particularly are fantastic